you have a uh, copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We are beginning a journey that uh, will have at least four segments in this journey uh, over the coming months and more than likely uh, years uh, because we'll do one segment in uh, Romans chapters 1 through 3 and then we will uh, take a break from Romans and we'll come back to segment uh, in Romans chapters 4 through 8. We'll take a break, 9 through 11, and then uh, take a break in 12 through 16. And so, uh, but this has been entitled, I've entitled it, Grasping God's Righteousness. It, It is a weighty subject, this whole of three chapters and I need you to understand that on the uh, outset um, as, as we begin this journey. Um, there are some uh, weird mountain shapes in view on that screen. And uh, there is some what some might call treacherous uh, paths and uh, treacherous hard, as Sean was praying, hard passages to grasp and and understand, but through it all, my prayer has been, and uh, my prayer will continue to be that um, God would just show us who He is, His righteousness, and we would put that up against who we are, and we would see the stark need of Him. Um. Two more things on introduction, and then I will uh, I'll read for us. I don't know how I am coming across at this moment, but uh, there is a lot of emotion going on in me because of this book. I, I wrote this in in my notes. If there, you know, we have sixty six books. It's called the Bible, and it's Genesis through Revelation, and. All of those together make up what we call the Bible, God's Word. But if there was just one, if we could only have one, if there was just one book, I think that I would want it to be this book. Because of the weight, because of the um, heights that are scaled in this book, because of what is spoken by This man, Paul, it is the ultimate. It's the summit, the the pinnacle of all the epistles. And it is something that you and I need to, uh, to take a look at. So there's that, and then there's this. I have never in my 18 years in ministry, my 15 years in the pastorate, I have never sought to preach through this epistle as a whole. And so um, there is all of that going on inside of me at this moment as well. But uh, we will see what God has in store for us. And uh, you pray for me, and I will pray for all of us that we would hear from our Father this morning. So uh, let's read. We're going to open the book, and uh, it is Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 1 down through verse 7. 
It's just a greeting, but uh, here is what Paul had to say. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he, which, which God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son. Then he gives a description of his Son, Jesus. This Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and who are called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you, and God, I pray that, uh, Father, I pray that we would meet with you this morning. God, you would speak from this passage, from your word. We would understand it. We would hear it in such a way that it would not just be words that come in our ears and out the other, so to speak, but Father, it would be you speaking to our hearts, and Father, us. Lord, grabbing a hold of that or it sticking in us, your word doing just that. Father, we need, I say this often from this platform, but Father, it is so true. We need this word, your word, to be spoken afresh and anew into our lives today because of what is all around us, because of what we we go through in life on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Father, we need to hear afresh and anew from you. Lord, that's why we're here. We have come together not just to catch up with friends, but Father, we have come together to worship the one true living God, to hear you speak into our hearts and into our lives. And so we make ourselves available, not just in these moments, but Father, as a collective body, as a a church, your church, we set aside this time for this purpose, to hear from you. And so, Lord, speak. God, thank you for your Son. Thank you for this Word. Thank you that you made a way for us, that you died on the cross. This is what Paul speaks of, this gospel, this good news. So Lord, let it hit me this morning. Let it hit us. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I stated that this is the the pinnacle, the summit, the the ultimate, so to speak, of all the epistles. The, The richness, the depth, the, the weight of this, the breadth, even the heights, 
that are tackled in this letter are truly astonishing. And, and I hope and pray that today we start scratching away at the surface and we start mining the depths, so to speak, of this truth. Uh, this past week I, I went one night late to see the movie American Sniper and uh, in that movie there, there were just scenes that were so, just as a guy, just great and um, I, I truly feel that uh, there should be a moment like that in as we open this up, where like in an action, a rescue, a bomb squad, or this Navy SEAL team evacuation movie scene, where they all set their watches just so they know exactly when something precisely is about to happen, and everybody is on the same page that... You and I need to do the same because this is huge. All right, so there's the intro. Let's get to the message. It's hard. There's three points this morning, and and, uh, I know some of you, like myself, when somebody on um, on the beginning says, all right, I got three points, you're just waiting. All right, where's the third one, and let's get out of here. So I'm going to try to condense... uh, that for just a moment, and I'm going to give you the first two points, and and we'll kind of see those, and then we'll hit the third one, but here is the first point and the second point together. The first point is this, an appropriate introduction is given, and, and that's in verse number one, and let me read that verse Again, but it states this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And then in verses 2 through 7, there is this clear calling that he has, and he states it for the readers and for you and for me. And in those verses, I'll read them again, it states, which he promised, this is God promising this, beforehand through his prophets, in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. For the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. What a greeting. It's a, just a, a normal, a, a typical Hellenistic letter and how it is opened and the beginning of it, there is this author of this letter. His name is Paul and there is this greeting to those that are going to be reading it. It's there in verse number 7, grace to you and peace from God our Father 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is, in verse 5 and 6, who he is addressing the letter to. It's just a typical letter, but this typical letter is not just written or penned by this one man named Paul, but it is written and penned by God himself. Outside of Jesus Christ, I don't think that I'm on too thin a limb here, but outside of Jesus Christ, I don't believe that there is another human being that was as influential to mankind as Paul. This is the same Paul who in the book of Acts was the one who was tormenting the church. This is the same Paul. His name, he was known as Saul there of Tarsus, but he had an experience with Jesus who met him face to face outside the city walls of Damascus that he left that experience, he left that moment blind for three days. Jesus called him into the family and Jesus called him into ministry. But just think about it. He penned, Paul did, 13 of the 27 books in our New Testament. And there could be an argument made that he also wrote or penned Hebrews, and if he did that, he penned over half the books in our New Testament. Over 50% of the New Testament, if he did that of Hebrews. Paul had never met these people in Rome. He had wanted to for so long, but he had never met them in Rome. And this church, the, the church at Rome, was distinct in itself because it's the only church in the New Testament that's spoken of in the New Testament that was not started by Paul or one of the other known apostles. We don't know who started the church in Rome. We know Paul did not and he wanted to come and be a part of it. And so he begins Paul a bondservant or a servant of Christ Jesus. And that's how he describes himself. He describes himself in a couple of terms. That he's a servant of Jesus, that he is called, as, called to be an apostle, and that he is set apart for the gospel of God. Think for just a moment. You're writing a letter to a group of people that have never met you. They've heard about you, possibly, but they've never met you. How, how would you describe yourself to them? Paul described himself as a servant. He described himself as that he was called to be an apostle, and he described himself as one who was set apart for the gospel. The word bondservant is uh, given here in verse number 1. It means that... He, it goes all the way back to the book of Exodus, and it's in the Old Testament, and it is one who is this. I know that I can't do what you do for me as my master, so therefore I know that you're supposed to let me go at the end of those uh, six years. In that seventh year, I'm supposed to be set free, but here's what I'm doing, master. I'm coming back to you, and I'm stating with this 
moment and this situation of me taking a nail and driving it through my ear to your doorpost, I am stating voluntarily that you provide for me better than I can provide for myself. Therefore, I am a bondservant or a doulos is the Greek term here in Romans. And so what Paul is stating to these in this statement is this, Jesus You take care of me way better than I could ever take care of myself. There are needs that only you can meet. I cannot meet them in and of myself. So therefore, I am voluntarily giving myself to you. And for the world of Paul's day, this was a despised term. But for the church, it is a glorious term. Not only is he called a servant, but he's called to be an apostle. What is an apostle? It's somewhat of a contrast. It's somewhat, he's saying, I'm the lowest of lows because I'm a doulos, a bondservant, but, but also you have called me to be at this elevated state, so to speak. There are apostles, and the only reason that they were apostles is because they had seen the resurrected Jesus Christ with their physical eyes. And in seeing him, they were set apart to a specific task, and that was to make it known to the world. That is an apostle, a called out one for a specific task, and that task was to take what he calls here the gospel of God. He's called as an apostle. And then this term, he's set apart. If you look in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, you will see that the Holy Spirit of God, there in that church at Antioch, he says, hey, set apart for me two guys, Barnabas and Paul. I have a task for them, and in that setting, in Acts chapter 13, it is the beginning of the missionary movement, so to speak, of the church as they are taking the gospel to the Mediterranean world on missionary trip number one. They're expanding that circle on trip number two. And then on trip number three, they are expanding that circle even greater, even to this place that he is writing to right now and that of Rome. But the Holy Spirit says, set these folks apart for this task. I know that not everybody in this room is set apart in such a way as Paul was that day. I know that everybody here is not set apart as a pastor or as a youth minister or a worship leader or a children's pastor or missions pastor. But every single one of us are to be set apart. Very similar to the way that Paul and Barnabas were set apart. He knew his task, and he describes himself as one who has set out to fulfill this task. That's the greeting. Here is uh, the second point of the reason behind it, so to speak. 
What is the gospel? The term gospel is just that. It is good news. Good news. You say, Brian, that's pretty elementary. Yeah, it is. But that's literally what it means. That's what gospel means. It is good news. When's the last time that you received any good news? Kids, maybe it was uh, last week. There was no homework. That's some good news for you. You know, no homework tonight. That's good news. Maybe it was uh, for you adults that uh, you went into the boss's office and you thought, oh, great, I got to go in here again. And he says, you know what? Here's some good news for you. How about you get $5 extra an hour? That would be some good news. Be some very good news. Maybe you uh, get some good news this way. You go to the doctor here of late and you are just thinking the absolute worst thing possible. And the doctor says, she says to you or he says to you, you know what? It's really nothing. Here's what it is. And you thought it was something like this and it's really something like this. And hey, that's good news. You braced yourself for the worst. It's hard. I, I understand this, but... Try to think about these people hearing this news. And let me kind of paint a picture for you with these people. These people lived in the epicenter of the Roman Empire. Their neighbor was their emperor, a man by the name of Nero. He was narcissistic. He was crazy. Here is what was elevating to this point or was happening at this moment as Paul is writing to encourage them. He is lighting his garden with them. Putting them in pitch and tar and at night so that he and his guests can see the flowers He and the pathway. He is lighting these people. That's not good news. And so Paul writes to give them good news and what is this good news here's the good news in verse number two the good news is this he promised God promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures what is that Brian here's what that is if you take from the book of Malachi all the way back, so everything that's right over here, from Genesis all the way through Malachi, that is what was known in that moment, in that day, as the Holy Scriptures. And Paul is saying, hey, he promised this good news. He promised this Jesus. He promised this Savior would be here. And all throughout the Old Testament and the prophets, he has promised this. Promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He's promised this concerning his son, who was a descendant from David according to the flesh, and he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. This Jesus Christ, our Lord. I don't know if it's you, it's probably just me, but oftentimes when I think of the name Jesus Christ, I think Jesus is his first name and Christ is his last name, like Brian Tillman. So who am I talking about? I'm talking about Jesus Christ. That's not a name. It is a title. Christ is a title. It literally, it, it means the anointed one, or if it was spoken of in Hebrew, it's Messiah. 
Jesus the Messiah. It differentiates him from every other Jesus of his day because there was a lot of Jesuses. You know, there it'd be like, excuse me, John, but it'd be like John today. There, there's a ton of Johns, all right? Who is this Jesus? This Jesus, let's differentiate it because of this title. He is the anointed one of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. And so Paul writes and he says about this Jesus, flesh-wise he was a descendant of David, and that's a promise that God made hundreds of years before his birth. But spiritually speaking, because of his resurrection, because he conquered the grave, because he conquered death, sin, Satan, and the grave, because of that resurrection, he is Jesus, the anointed one, our Lord. Just in the overview of these first few verses, right here in chapter 1, the, the reader sees this weight and this worth coming right in front of their face. And so Paul writes these words to them. And the question that I have as we move to a third point and a final point this morning is this. What does that mean for Hernando 2015? What does that Sure, that's some great words, that's some great uh, phrases and some weighty things about what was happening some 2,000 years ago. But what does that mean for you and me today? Here's what I hope you and I gain from this. Here's what I hope you and I kind of sticks with us is this. When you describe yourself to others, or when others describe you, I hope that some of these characteristics come out as well. Because you and I are just like Paul as servants of Christ. You and I are just like Paul in that we have a message and it is good news that needs to be spoken to those around us. And as a Christ follower, we are His He is in charge. He is to be magnified. And we are to know our place just as Paul knew his place. Take just a second and let's see him write how that finds its way out in one's life in this book, in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul states this, I appeal to you, brothers... I appeal to you, all in Rome who God loves, all in Rome who are called saints, and if he were writing it to us today, he would say, I appeal to you, therefore, River Bend, brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm appealing not because of my stance, verse 1 states, but I'm appealing by the mercies of God. And here's his desire for those at Rome and his desire for you and me Not Paul's desire, but God's desire. It's that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
that you would present your bodies holy, that's set apart, that you would be consecrated to Him, that you would present your bodies acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And He defines it. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, as you and I go about our day, as we go about our lives this week, may you and I understand that just as Paul did, that He is Master and Savior and Lord of you, of, of a mundane task, yes, of a monumental task, yes, He is Lord. But finally, let's flip all the way to the end of the book, or almost to the end of the book, and let's look at let's look at the end for a cause to begin. Paul records these words in Romans chapter fifteen, verse fourteen. He says, "You know, I myself." I'm satisfied about you, Rome, about you, Roman church, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves, you're full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct. So they're not just babies, but but they're maturing in their faith. They are growing in their faith and they're grown-ups spiritually. You're maturing. And you're able to instruct one another. Verse 15, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. There is 15 chapters, 16 chapters really, of bold writing reminding them of some major points and issues of the Christian faith. And he is going to walk through that. We'll walk through that. But he says, some very, uh, on some points, I've, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder. Why? Because of the grace given me by God. It's not just me spouting off. It's because God has given this grace to me. And so, therefore, I am doing this on his account. He's given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. They were Gentiles. He's given me this ministry in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, that it might be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be very proud of of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Verse 19. By the power of signs and wonders, so by miracles, yes. By the power of the Spirit of God, yes. Why? So that from Jerusalem all the way to Eliakim, 
I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named. Lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, verse 21. Those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. The purpose of this letter for you and for me and for those at Rome was this. I want to encourage you. Sure, I'm going to write to you in these chapters and in these verses. I'm going to write to you some heavy stuff. And it's going to hit you square in the face. But understand, it is something that you and I must deal with as individuals. And you and I must deal with as a church as a whole. But all in all, this letter is to encourage you because of where you are living, River Bend. Because of the stress of your life. Because of the ups and the downs that you are walking in, you need this encouragement. Yes, they might have lived in the epicenter of the great Roman Empire and in the very neighborhood of a narcissistic emperor. But you and I find ourselves in a place that hates Christ. They hate Him. This world, this culture hates Him more and more every single day. And more and more we are finding ourselves similar in the place, similar places as they did in Rome. So he wrote to encourage them. He wrote to challenge you and challenge me with the task that is at hand. To spread this great news. To die to yourself. To die to myself. To allow Christ to live. He understood this call that's on His life. Do you and I understand the call that is on our lives? Do you and I understand Do you and I understand what it means when you say, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior and my Lord? Do we understand what the term Lord is? I'm so independent. We are so independent, but I'm so independent as an American male today that... That term, I can say it, it can roll off of my lips, and it not even move me if I'm not careful. Yesterday I was uh, in the office, and uh, I was up here yesterday morning, and I, I just opened His Word, I opened God's Word, and and I was finishing up the, the, the sermon and making sure that, that all of this would kind of flow together. And then I just stopped and I said, God, I don't need to make all this just flow together. I, I need to turn somewhere else. And, and I just need to hear from you. And I, I'm not telling you to do that because... Where he took me yesterday was scary. And, and if 
if you looked on uh, some social media, you might have seen where that was. But, uh, but in my quiet time reading, it was time to read Amos. And so I, d- I just opened to Amos, and I was like, I really don't want to hear from Amos. And it was just impressed. You really need to hear Amos. And I don't know the last time you read Amos, but the last time that name came across my mind, that's what we call a huge buck where we try to kill bucks. And so that's not Amos in the Bible, though. Amos in the Bible is a hard word to all the nations around. And I just sat there and I was just crying because of what was happening in the day of Amos. And I was thinking about our day. I was thinking about my day. And what is going on in the world. You say, what, what's all that got to do with Romans? I believe that it has everything to do with Romans. Because the day that you and I live in is a day that needs the great news of the gospel. And there's no plan B, Riverbend. You and I are plan A. And He has commanded you and He has commanded me to preach the good news. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. God, I pray. Father, I pray that as we have uh, come this morning to lift high your name. Father, as we have uh, met this morning as uh, individuals, and Father, even as a body, I don't know how many of us were truly thinking about Romans chapter 1 and, and the weight of it, or even d- these aspects of it. And Father, I I freely admit, I don't know what you have impressed upon the hearts and the lives of these that have heard this message this morning. But Father, I do pray that whatever was of Brian, it would just fade away. But Father, you and your spirit, you are the power of the gospel. You give power power to this good news it is all about you and about your son who because he is alive we serve the risen king different from every other god that has ever been spoken of father would you impress on us and would it have the weight of gold and precious stones that it would stay in our minds and be worked out in our lives on a regular, consistent, daily basis that we would come to understand You as Lord. and Not just flippantly say it, Father. I I say that for myself more than I say that for, for anyone else in this room. That I would understand you as Lord.
Father, this is your house. It is a place that we come to worship your name. God, as we respond, Father, you move. Father, you move in my heart, you move in our hearts, you draw us to you. Father, if it is a a public display, you need us to be down here at the front. May we not be hindered by the enemy. May we not be hindered by anyone else and what their thought is. Father, might we come and kneel at this altar if you are drawing us a first time to you. Sir, ma'am, I pray that you would allow me the privilege to introduce you to Jesus, the one who loved you and paid the price for all your sin and died in your place that you might have his righteousness. It's a time of response. Maybe the response is you lifting up your voices to him. You respond as we stand and as we sing. This time is for you to obey whatever the Father has for you, you come.